You're listening to Jumping the Wealth Curve with your host, Edward Bow. For most of my life, I've been riding and racing dirt bike motorcycles. So it was natural to say, jumping the wealth curve. I'm jumping something all the time on the dirt bike. When he's not on his bike, Ed is helping families retire successfully as a certified financial planner and five-star wealth manager at Smallwood Wealth Management. There isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for everything. So we're talking about finances and a financial plan. We need to stay flexible. Jumping the wealth curve is designed to help answer your retirement questions. And especially in today's world, everything is so stringent and everybody's so, ugh, let's just talk. Now, here's your host, Ed Bow. Well, welcome everybody to another Jumping the Wealth Curve podcast. I really appreciate you listening in today. If you remember from our last podcast, we talked about investing a little bit and getting into the markets. And I just thought it'd be really good to just tell you what my thoughts are for the, the near future. Because the I, I think I said, I think we did that podcast a good two weeks ago. And it's really interesting that we talked about it two weeks ago because there's a lot of things that I've been doing from a charting perspective and looking at potentially which way this market is going, which have developed in the last week or so. And and this week is probably another big week for maybe trying to forecast some sort of uh, direction. So what I'm seeing is it started last week. We actually the week before there was a, a correction in the market late in the week. Uh, it was down pretty significantly. And then we, we had a bounce Monday through Wednesday. Markets did better. And I was anticipating that, but I did say or talk to friends of mine that I have these discussions with, um, and clients, of course, that I thought we'd have we showed weakness uh, later in the week, and sure enough, Thursday was a pretty significantly down day. Uh, Friday was kind of a sideways day, so it it did play out the way I thought last week was going to happen, and I think this week is going to be really a tell all because. Um, I've been tracking the 200-day moving average and the 50-day moving average, and they're coming to a point where they're actually going to intersect on the chart, and that's never a good thing. So I think we will probably have some positive market returns early in the week, but then I, I see again late in the week, if there's weakness in the market, then it is, to me, this is could be the start of a more downward trend in the market and market returns. So, and there's a lot of pressure on on the markets right now with obviously the Fed talking about rate hikes. I've heard anywhere from three to seven rate hikes. I think I mentioned that last time. And the inflation story is not going away. They all talked about it being transitory back in August, September 21. Um, I was never in that camp of it being transitory. And sure enough, now nobody believes it's transitory. Not to say I was right. I just, they, I guess they thought it was going to kind of sort itself out, but it's not working out that way. So, so with that, I, I think, uh, like I said, this week, we'll see how this market plays out. I'll be checking my charts, doing my research, and, you know, hopefully we get a better indicator of where we're kind of going. With that, I'll move into this week's podcast completely. We're going we're to shift gears here. All right, so get away from the markets. I'm going to get back to something really, really important, but it's really kind of basic. And I don't think enough people are doing this on a consistent basis. And what I'm talking about is looking and checking your credit report on a consistent basis. What is a credit report? Why to check it? You know, how does a credit report 
differ from a credit score. They're two separate and different things. For this podcast, we'll probably just talk about the credit report. So we will move into probably the credit score at the next podcast. So, And I'm going to also maybe provide some steps to take a proactive approach on you know when it's good to check your credit report and how to request your credit report, how to read and interpret the report, and maybe how to correct some mistakes because that's the whole idea behind looking at the credit report is we want to make sure it's accurate, it's up to date, and if there's anything wrong that we get it corrected because it's really important. So why would you want to check this? And you know I was thinking about this from who's listening to the podcast right now. It could be somebody in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, different age groups, right? So the credit report plays a different role at, at literally at different stages of your life in some respects. So why do I say that? Um, for a 20-year-old who's maybe just starting their financial lives and, and starting to work, the importance of the credit report is when you go get hired and potential employers are checking your credit report to make sure, I guess it doesn't look real bad. And what's the type of person we're hiring? So that's completely different than maybe a 40 or 50 year old that they want to reduce some debt on assets or paying down debt. There's So there's different cycles that in through our lives, the credit report plays a different role. So let's talk about what is a credit report and why check it. So the basic definition of of a credit report is it's a record of a person's payment history, okay? So they're tracking everything that you're doing from paying your mortgage, paying a car loan, paying your credit cards, and seeing how consistent you are at paying those, those loans off, okay? And the credit information is reported by three major credit bureaus. Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Getting back to why check your credit report, it's a cru- it's crucial document in approvals for loans and credit cards, interest rates, and, and the terms of the loans, all right? So how long the loan is going to be and the interest rate you're going to get on that loan. So to be sure that, you know, you, again, I'm going to go back to, you got to make sure the information is accurate, complete, and up-to-date. And before a major financial event, you don't want to do this after, all right? You want to be prepared before, okay? It also, it helps you guard against identity theft. And I think that's one of the big reasons I'm, I'm actually talking about this today. I was actually the recipient or the, <laughs> the uh, you know, I fell under the identity theft topic or collar um, about, oh God, uh, five or six years ago. I remember it was July 3rd. It was the day before July 4th. And I have uh, I have a couple different agencies monitoring my credit report. And I got some notifications that said I was opening up three different credit cards at three different locations. And I immediately went into action and stopped that and then realized what was going on. So the reason why you, you know, luckily, okay, I had... I had paid for a service, let's say, to keep track of it. But if I'm not doing that and somebody has my information, then are they opening up a loan in my name? And they're obviously taking the proceeds. The only way you're going to find out is through the credit report where somebody comes knocking on your door looking for money. 
Okay. So looking at the credit report, seeing what those outstanding loans are, what's all the lines of credit, et cetera, et cetera. That's what you're looking for, right? You know, you have a better chance of getting a job offer, staying on top of your credit report and understanding it and acting quickly when you have a, a time limited opportunity, right? Maybe I want to, maybe I want to buy a house, right? And uh, maybe it's my first house and I want to go take a mortgage out, you know, yeah, you do, you know, you could go pre-qualify for a mortgage, but, you know, at least if I know my credit score is good, then I know what, what the chances are of me getting that loan, even if it's not a pre-qualification situation. And here, another example, I went and bought a, I bought a vehicle. I, it was a Friday night. I'm sitting there in front of the finance person and I looked at the paperwork that they were handing me and they said, of course, it's, you know, 8.30 at night in a car dealership. What a great time, way to spend a Friday night. But I'm buying the car and I was financing part of the car and I read the paperwork and I saw that the interest rate was much higher than I should be paying for the car loan. And I made mention to him and he said, well, we have to go back out in the morning and, and really check your credit score and everything. Uh, so that really doesn't apply, which... Uh, to me, it was a little weird and fugazi. Um, and I immediately said, well, my credit report is apps. My credit score and credit report are fine. So um, this is where your credit report is important, which really translates into a good credit score, too. And knowing this, going in there, having the ability to say, hey, my credit's good. Don't, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't have to pay an exorbitant amount of interest because I have a, a checkered pass when it comes to paying paying off loans and stuff. So that's why you need to be proactive so you can act quickly, like I said, when, when an opportunity comes around. So how does a credit report differ from a credit score? So a credit score is based on data contained within the credit report, all right? And so they look at your length of, and I'm getting a little bit into the credit score part here is, you know, how much credit you have that you're available to. So if I have a bunch of credit cards out or I have a home equity line out and I'm, I have available credit, how much of that credit am I using? How, how is my payment history on those, those loans? If I missed a payment that, that registers, that's a ding, right? This is used by lenders to estimate the risk of you, the consumer, not paying the financial obligation. Here's the big, here's the big buzz phrase. It's your credit worthiness. How, basically, if I'm loaning you money, what's the risk that I'm taking to giving you that money and making sure you pay it back? That's what this is all about, right? I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure you all get this, but I'm just going to go through it to make sure you completely understand how this works. All right. And if you're new to this, you know, it's important you understand this. So, and by the way, the credit score is, you know, it's anywhere from 300 to 850. The higher the number, the better. And that generally will translate into, you know, if you have the higher number, it's a lower risk and your loan terms will be much better. It's not included as part of your credit report. They're two different things. So let's get back to the credit report. When it might be beneficial to check our credit report? You know, certain major financial events trigger a review of a report. So... I mean, I was kind of talking about this a minute ago, pre-qualifying or applying for a mortgage, a line of credit or refinance an existing mortgage, right? So knowing how my report looks and being on top of that is really important when I, you know, things change in our lives. It, you know, <laughs> I remember I was living in my first house with my wife and 
and everything was fine. L- liked the house, had some ideas, maybe going, you know, maybe building out on it, et cetera. You know, just families getting bigger, all that stuff. Next thing I know, I'm buying a new house. How I got there, I have no idea. We weren't even talking about it. Next thing I know, um, I'm getting talked to at the table about maybe we should be buying a new house. And now we're looking at new houses. I'm like, wow, two months ago, this wasn't even a discussion. So being on top of the report, being ready for these types of situations are always important. Obviously, from a identity theft, really important. Um, you know, or for, as in my example at the car, the car dealership, you know, applying for an, an installment or evolving, you know, consumer loan or line of credit. So an installment type loan is a car loan or, or a mortgage where you're paying a fixed amount and then over a certain amount of time and you pay off the loan. The revolving type consumer loan is like your credit cards, right? You have you have a certain line of credit on the credit card and you're allowed to use that up to that amount and you can pay off or pay off over time, but it's, it's kind of like floating, right? It's just kind of, and it's revolving. So we talked about, are there certain times when it's good to check our credit reports, right? It's like checking for fraud. We keep talking about the same things, job, job opportunities. You know, ensure that you, you know, closed or canceled accounts are now reflected that way on your credit report. Because if they're not, again, with some of the metrics for your credit score is how much credit do I have out there and how much I'm using? What happens if there's a change in marital status? They track that, right? Um, they track other things like your address, where you've lived, right? If, if that's not accurate. So there's all these little metrics within the report that you want to make sure are right. And it's important. So how often should you request your credit reports, right? So they actually say you can get a free credit report once every 12 months, okay? I'm actually going to show you and tell you how to do it three times if you want during the year. Now, I can tell you most people not even checking it once a year, okay? And I would encourage everybody to maybe do it you know, every three and a half months, right? So that would be three times during the year. If you're doing it at least once, great. If you can do it at least two times, great. And this is literally just, you know, pulling the report down, taking probably 10, 20 minutes at the most, looking through the report and making sure it's accurate. You'd be really surprised, you know, my my wife is really good at opening those kind of department store credit cards because they entice her with the extra five or ten percent off at the counter, which drives me absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, of course they're twenty nine percent type cards. Not that I keep a balance on those, but and what happens if you do? Those are the ones that are just gonna really suck you dry of your money. So um, you'll be surprised how many are open, or you know. And we'll talk about when's, when you should be closing them or not closing them. So, but reviewing this, you got to get this, you got to get into a flow. You really need to get into, you know, some sort of pattern in doing this. Okay. Um, again, most people aren't. And this is why they, you know, people do what they do. They prey upon us and they know people aren't checking these things. And all of a sudden something happens and hopefully you get notified through one of your financial institutions and, you know, you're getting caught, but what happens when you don't, right? Um, like me, I was lucky, I caught it, I shut it all down. It, it's a laborious process. So, you know, being out and ahead of this and understanding it, that way when it does happen, you, you, can, you can shut it down right away. So how do, I, how do you get three reports in one year? So I mentioned to you 
that there's three major credit agencies, which you've probably heard of, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. You're allowed to go to each one of those once a year and request a report specifically from each of them. Now, they may differ a little bit from each other, but they actually do share information. Like if you make a change on with Experian, it does get communicated out and usually gets picked up by TransUnion and Equifax as well. So kind of looking at, and, and it's really important, you'll see if you looked at three different scores from the three different credit agencies, they might all differ a little bit. Why are they differing? Well, maybe they were the calculating and, and such, but maybe there's something different that one has than the other. So that's why it's good to kind of compare these things, okay? By the way, if you go on www.annualcreditreport.com, that's the kind of once a year type credit report. If you go to specifically those websites of Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, you can request one from them each year. So now you're getting three free per year, okay? Please at least do it once a year. Put it down as one of your goals. We talked about goals back in early January. Um, put it down as a goal. Just get used to doing it. And once you start doing it, it, it's, you know, it's great. I do it at least twice a year. I try to do it three times, but I do get it in twice a year. Credit reports contain four main sections, identifying information, credit history, public records, and inquiries, okay? Identifying information is like your name, your spouse's name, if you are or were married, social security number, and date of birth. Other identifying information, co-applicant's name, current and previous residence addresses, I mentioned that, and telephone numbers. So, of course, a driver's license is an identifier for you, current and past employers, um, and then good standing negative closed and pending accounts. So if you've been paying that loan off all along, you're in good standing. You know, if it's negative, that's probably missed a payment or something. So, um, but you should know these things. Okay. I'm going to keep stressing. You can keep hearing me say it. So on the credit history part, they'll say the name, address, and phone number of the creditor, the account number, the, the date the account was open, and the type of accounts. Remember, I told, about, told you there's an installment account or a revolving account. Installment accounts like your mortgage, revolving is like a credit card, right? And credit history has also has to do with individual joint accounts, um, the total amount of the loan, the, the highest credit limit, the balance on, on the card or the loan, and the amount still owed on that particular account. And then they'll give you, you know, is it fixed monthly payments? Is it a minimum monthly amount that's due status of the account again positive negative it's you know have we not been paying it okay that's bad you know and just the overall payment history on that account so on the public record side it'll show bankruptcies it'll show judge judgments against you and tax liens that's why remember the employer is looking at this or the employer or the potential person who's going to loan you money and they're saying wow they had a bankruptcy last year and by the way they had a bankruptcy 12 15 years ago what's the chances you know you're getting that loan probably a lot less right or if they're going to give it to you they're going to the terms are going to be convenient for them and not you so tax liens judgments all these things they they want to know right so inquiries this is when somebody actually goes out to go look at your your credit report and this means there's two types there's a hard inquiry and a soft inquiry uh, is a hard inquiry is initiated by the individual when he or she fills out a credit application. So you put in for a new credit card, that credit card you know, company is going to go out and look, pull your credit report. That's a hard inquiry, okay? Which 
you don't want too many of those because that actually affects your credit score. And again, we'll talk about that next week. Um, soft inquiry is basically the, the companies are pre-screening you for credit offers or maybe potential employers are doing it that way or or maybe the current credit monitoring com- companies out there like I had. I had I have one or two of them that I, you know, they're always kind of looking at my credit report and stuff. And but those are not hard inquiries. Because, again, you don't want too many hard inquiries because that can actually lower your credit score. So you know, be mindful of that if you're uh, you're looking for, you know, a mortgage on a house, you know, you kind of don't want to go to one company and apply and go, I don't like that company. And then you go to another company a week later and another company a week later. Well, that those are hard inquiries and that could actually lower your score, te- you know, short term temporarily. So be careful with that. Basic steps. You So you're looking at this credit report. Maybe you find some things, you know, so you're reviewing for errors. Then you can file a dispute. So if I go and I get that credit report from Experian like I, I directed you to do and you, you see something wrong, you can file a dispute. OK, um, Experian will help you with that. They'll, they'll they have a whole team that, you know, in this case, and they'll, they'll walk you through the process. You know, monitor how it's going. Don't just let it go. Stay on top of it. OK. Again, if it's not being handled, you need to get back in there and kind of make that phone call and get it corrected or removed. These are these are major things for your credit score. Okay, so you, you know, and then if you were a part of identity theft, you need to be on top of that with your credit report. Let them know what happened. Okay, um, that will also help repair it because they'll take off. In my case, we had three credit cards at three different companies. That's going to affect my credit score. It's going to affect my credit report. The credit agencies will take them, take that into account and take that off if you tell them it's identity theft. There's a whole process to that. I could probably spend another podcast on that. So remember, review each major section, identifying information, the credit data and history, the public records and inquiries. Okay. The document can be pretty big if you, you know, depending on how many accounts you are, what's your credit history like, you know, I'm a little older, so my credit history is a little big. Okay, so I got some extra pages, maybe versus a 25-year-old. Um, again, it's a lot of lot of information, but it's you can sift through it really quickly. So don't be intimidated by it. Like I said, you're gonna file you're gonna file a dispute if you find something wrong. It can be done online by telephone or by mail um, with the three credit agencies. All right, this can take anywhere from 60 to 100 days, 120 days to correct. Okay, so. Again, nothing happens quick, you know, especially when it comes to this type of stuff. Create a paper trail when you're doing this. Okay, this is again tracking what I was saying to before, tracking it, making sure the resolution goes through. You know, you may have to end up going back to the original company that loaned you the money, maybe it was a car loan or something like that. And um, you want to document this. You want to make, you know, if you had to write a letter, make sure you keep the letter, keep a file, right? That's as simple as it, keep a file. Be concise with your explanation. Don't make this a real wordy document and, you know, make it a, a life history. Then they're not probably going to read it. All right. So get to the point, maybe quicker than I am in this podcast and uh, get to uh, so they'll read it and move on and hopefully work on your case. OK, by the way, when you file a dispute, they have it has to be investigated within 45 days and they have to give you written results and a free copy of the revised credit report when this has been changed, all right? So that's important, right? So you know it's been done. Repairing identity theft, this gets a little bit, like I said, nowadays you can freeze your credit 
like if you go on to I use Experian a lot because I I'm actually I've logged into them. I'm not endorsing them. It's just I know they they make it pretty easy. You could actually lock your basically your credit down when since you're not going out for inquiries and maybe um, maybe not going out for a new loan or anything like that. You can lock your credit. You can lock your credit down so that way the bad guys don't come in and put a loan in your name. You know when you're getting ready to go to the car dealership, for example, and you're going to take a loan out for a new car, you can actually release it, you know, let's say the, you know, that night before and you're good to go. So that way they can come in and check your credit. Once you're done with that transaction, lock down your credit report again. So that's, a, that's something that's relatively new. It's come around in the last couple of years. Um, so I've actually placed a block because of my identity theft. I'll tell you what I did. I actually put a note in my credit report that says if anybody does a hard inquiry into my report, they need to call my cell phone and meaning the credit agency is going to call my cell phone and get approval from me directly whether they can access my credit report that's but this freezing of the credit report and credit is just as just as easy if not it's actually easier so mine i have to now write a i'll probably have to write a letter to get that taken off the credit agency so i hope this was helpful i know it went a little long i usually do these and they could take this one section can take an hour and a half um i just wanted to give you some broad strokes there is a lot of information out there now this is so much better than it used to be five ten years ago obviously we have access to there's apps out there that kind of kind of give us a credit score on demand that we'll talk about at the next podcast it's a there's differences in credit scores, which I don't think a lot of people understand this part. Um, we'll talk about it the next podcast. All right. Your banking. I know my banking, they're now giving me my my credit score and I can get a credit report through them because they're going to give me whatever agency they're using. They're going to drop me that credit report. So, And there's a lot of tools and information on these sites. So go out there and dig it. There's so much stuff out there right now. and But you have to be proactive. This is, I can't state this enough. You've got to be proactive with this. You've got to be on top of this. This is bad guys are getting more and more sophisticated. And they, you know, you're, I know everybody thinks I'm going to just make a real blanket general statement here. You know, everybody, people that try to stay off the internet and do, do this different things and try to protect information. I think all our information is out there in the ether somewhere and it's really hard to protect it. So you need to be on top of this to protect your social security number. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's black market websites. They're sharing this information, whether it's you know passwords to different, you know, different things on your computer. So, you know, be really careful is what I'm saying. As always, I know I went a little hard and fast, but that's kind of the WFO mentality we have this year. If you're new to the podcast, WFO stands for Wide F and Open. All right. It's a term from uh, the jump in the wealth curve is a, you know, you see there's a, I'm a motocross guy and that's one of our terms in our, in racing is WFO. So I know I went a little hard and long today, but I think this is relative. Um, we'll dive into the credit score next time. And uh, I really look forward to you coming back and listening. And I hope I'm providing value. There's something that you want to hear. You want me to cover, you know, drop me an email, edwardb at smallwoodwealth.com, and I'd be happy to incorporate it into one of our podcasts if it makes sense. You guys have a wonderful day. 
Want to find out how you can jump the wealth curve? Connect with Ed now at smallwoodwealth.com. Jumping the Wealth Curve is brought to you by Edward Bow, an investment advisor representative of Smallwood Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone, and the information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives, and it's not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action, as information and or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Smallwood Wealth Management provides content that is true and accurate as of the date of publishing. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this website or podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including, but not limited to, any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, misleading, or defamatory statements.